0: Hello, everyone. Happy New Year 2021. What is up? Hope everyone had a really good New Year holiday break if you took one. I know I did. I'm excited to get back into it. So super excited for this week's episode with Unique Podar, the Director of Product Marketing at PayFit. We come back to pricing and how product marketing can help establish pricing that maximizes profitability. This is a great one. Unique is super smart and has an amazing perspective on this so keep listening listen to the whole thing i learned a ton during this episode this podcast is a partnership with sharebird Sharebird sharebird.com is a pure mentoring platform for product marketers there are great resources there an amazing job board so much on the site check it out if you haven't if you have any feedback on the podcast in general specific episodes things you like things you don't like things you want to hear Email us at, sh- at podcasts at sharebird.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. Shoot me a LinkedIn message. We love hearing from you. Any feedback you have, it's all great. A shout out to our sponsor Crayon. If you aren't familiar with it, Crayon is an awesome resource for product marketers. Crayon analyzes market trends for you and makes acting on insights easy. This means dynamically updated battle cards, alerts, dashboards, much more. Crayon is an awesome tool for any marketer looking to maintain differentiated messaging, improve sales, win rates catch important updates from competitors, and much more, you can find them at Crayon.co. All right, let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Product Marketing Expert, brought to you by ShareBird. I'm your host, Marcus Andrews, and today we're diving deep into pricing and packaging. I love this topic. It's not something that I have done a ton of in my career, but PMMs are so well-positioned to own this, and when you have a strong point of view on pricing and packaging and the tools to figure out profitability, wow, you just become so much more valuable as a PMM and to your company. But for sure, it's a tricky one. People take pricing and packaging changes very seriously, and they should. And what if you've got a complicated market? Multiple personas, multiple products, multiple regions. The complexity can multiply and multiply. Today's product marketing expert has been going really, really deep on profitability for over a year now as the global director of product marketing, and they're really the perfect person to help us figure this out. So let's dive in. Yannick, how you doing?
1: Doing good, Marcus. Tuning in from Paris here, it's feeling
0: great. How are you? Awesome, doing really well. I'm super excited we finally get to chat. We're just catching up on this, but I feel like the first time we talked was maybe it was like six, six, seven months ago or
1: something? Yeah, it was a while. It was before uh, the global shutdown, really, right now. So I'm I'm excited that we're able to finally get this going and uh, share a bit of knowledge.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, pricing and packaging is one of those things. If you can figure it out as a PMM, it's just super valuable. So I learned so much diving into this topic. So really excited to have you.
1: Awesome. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. So let's start from the beginning. I'm I'm curious how you got into product marketing. How did you
1: initially get into product marketing and make your way to where you are today? Yeah, that's a funny question. It's definitely been a non-traditional career path for sure. I started my career in B2B sales, Dell as a sales manager. And then uh, later on, I I ended up uh, pivoting into uh, strategy consulting. And then at some point, I decided, why not launch my own professional coaching business, teaching people how to land uh, their dream jobs? And so I started speaking, coaching, teaching people how to use LinkedIn. And so after doing this for a little while, I realized, hey, why not actually join LinkedIn and really learn a lot about marketing? And then one day I ended up reaching out to one of the senior directors of product marketing at LinkedIn in San Francisco, Robin Daniels. I absolutely love this guy. He's a phenomenal leader and, and coach. And um, we had a great coffee chat and then the rest is, is history, really. I ended up getting a great opportunity as a global product marketing lead in our talent solutions business in, in SF.
0: Awesome. Did you just, how did it happen on LinkedIn? Was it just like a cold LinkedIn message or did you have a connection? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I ended up just uh, looking for leaders at LinkedIn, uh, on LinkedIn. And I saw him, he has a very international background from Denmark. I saw he had a really great track record uh, working at Salesforce, Box, and a bunch of really cool uh, companies. And I just saw a lot of similarities between him and I, and I asked if, if we can meet for, for coffee. So literally just wrote him and personalized him a message, really, and asked him to connect uh, to get some advice. And then he was going on vacation, but then when he came back two weeks later... We had that coffee chat at LinkedIn, and, and that's how it happened.
0: That's awesome. Very cool. All right. So, we're going to talk about pricing strategy today. And you are, so now you're the, the global director of product marketing at PayFit, where you own pricing and packaging, or at least you're involved in profitability, we're, we're just talking about this. And I think it's good context. Like, how did it happen that you got involved in this pricing strategy? What was the ask? And then how did you start to, to, to think about it and say, okay, this is something that it makes sense for me to be involved in?
1: Yeah, totally. When I was interviewing uh, in general for Payfit, I know one of the the biggest uh, conversations for for the CEO was pricing strategy in general. So I knew uh, coming in as a global product marketing leader at the company that it was going to be one of my uh, priority missions, uh, specifically because the, the company was just going through some hyper growth in terms of customers in terms of employees in terms of opening new markets. Pricing was becoming uh, the number one topic because now you're not just in France. Now you're in the UK, you're in Germany, you're in Spain, you're opening up Italy later in the year. Pricing became the number one priority and that's how it came on my, on, my, uh, on my desk as soon as I started.
0: Super interesting. Okay, so you knew from the beginning going in that it was going to be something that you were going to take on and they obviously had uh, confidence in you to take it on because that's what you're doing now. So do you think it makes sense for every, like, why is product, why, why should, what's the case for product marketing owning pricing? Do you think product marketing should always own pricing or always be involved in it at companies?
1: 100% I think product marketing should be involved uh, at every single company when it relates to pricing strategy. Own it definitely if we can. Uh, it depends on when product marketing was built at the specific company. I would definitely uh, advocate for it being uh, the owner because product marketing by default is at the center of the business and the market. So you have an overview on the competition. You have an overview on what's happening inside in terms of your product adoption, your your sales success, customer success. And so at the end, we have a really good view of when you're launching a new product, what makes it tick, why your customer is going to love it, what are they willing to pay for it through a variety of different questions and scenarios you can ask them. But when you boil it down to the role of product marketing, it makes absolute sense for, for that team to own pricing strategy or be a number two on it.
0: I agree. I think it's not always the case, but like you said, it's just the where we are in the company and that view that we have of the market and the customer and the product, I think is perfect yeah. for something like this. So it's um, not necessarily like we're involved in it, uh, my job at HubSpot, but it's not something so, we don't necessarily like own outright. Yeah. But uh, like your point of view there, who are your partners when it comes to pricing strategy? Are you working really closely with sales, with business people and products, like just in your setup, who are your closest yeah. partners when trying to figure this out?
1: Yeah, I think for sure, it's really important to know that pricing by default, pricing, packaging, monetization strategy, whatever you want to call it, it's a collaborative effort that involves a variety of teams. My number one partner in this is GrowthOps, which at Payfit is basically a combination of BizOps and Sales Ops. But these guys are, are my number one partners because they have analysts, they they know the numbers, they know how we're performing in terms of conversion rates, lead to demo to customers, average MRR. We know why we're winning deals, why we're losing deals. So in general, GrowthOps is one of my number one partners Then you have growth and performance because they understand uh, who we're targeting and which market is is working most. And so those are two really important pieces of information. But then it depends if you're looking at a pricing strategy locally or globally. But as I'm working with France, UK, Germany, Spain, Italy, then I, I actually work with the local leadership there. So I work with the country manager there. I work with head of sales, head of marketing, head of customer success, and head of product. So as you can see, it can quickly become a pretty big room we try to keep it small by just having the leads
0: yeah makes sense we were talking about this earlier but what are the challenges of that global view a lot of the listeners may be north american centric but i do think they've probably got european wings and that's just reality for you guys is that you've got to cover you've got all these different these regions to play how do you handle that how do you handle learning about the regions price the particulars of pricing in the regions does that
1: look like I think uh, you nailed it there. I think that's probably one of the most complex topic that I had was just the different countries and the competitive forces and dynamics in each of those. Because when you look at France and what's happening in that market versus UK and, and Germany and Spain, I mean, in Italy, it's just very different. UK is, is not a complex uh, country for payroll. So that means there's a lot of competitors If you raise money, you have a great product, you're in the game. Uh, And so what Mm -hmm. that means is that pricing strategy in general is a little bit lower because it's very competitive. But then when you look at France uh, and Germany, it was not a lot of strong players. And the way you price there is a lot different from the UK. And so that in general was a pretty big deal. The second piece was also understanding where in the life cycle your company is. So UK is a pretty fresh market with a year in. So they're really optimizing for growth. Versus you have more mature markets like France, you're really looking to optimize for profit. And so the pricing strategy is different. And the only way to really tackle it is to be as close as possible to your local counterparts.
0: Yeah. So have those local counterparts who under- who have those insights and just get really close to them, learn from them. That's the key to figuring that out, figuring out each market and the, what's unique about it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just because you, you have so much local competitive uh, forces that will change everything. Uh, and so the only way you can know that is if you're close to your sales and CS in that market.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I think um, yeah, those insights from sales and CS, figuring out some way to get that is really important. Let's say there's a director of product marketing, they're at a company, they're either getting tasked with pricing for the first time, or they're coming in new to the company to try to figure out pricing What's the first thing they should do? What did you start doing or what do you wish you would have done when you first started thinking about this problem? How do you Mm. approach it from the beginning?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think the biggest thing is understanding where we are today already. It is very interesting to understand how how are we performing each country right now from leads to demo to customer to upsell, just overall, why are we winning deals? Why are we losing deals? All that just gives you a lot of very you know rich information uh, because especially on the win-loss analysis, you get to understand if we're losing because of pricing and packaging because of the offers that we have. And then when you start to take a peek as well as what's happening in the market, that's the second piece because that's great because now you get to see all your competitors lined up You have some generalists who are doing everything from payroll, HR, expenses. Then you have some specialists who are just payroll who are just expenses. You get to see those different strategies and see how do you stack up in terms of their product. And so those are two really, the two big places that I would start would be internally and then externally. And then from that, you want to start talking to your counterparts to see what we can improve.
0: Awesome. So looking at the data, looking at that internal sales data, win-loss data, is very valuable especially if it's showing you anything on pricing or packaging issues and then market dynamics so looking at the competitors trying to figure out like what what is their like maybe this is where positioning probably comes in to answer that right like you can do run some position what it's pretty typical i guess like the research that goes into positioning will give you a lot of this data already is that true or like what kind of tools or systems do you have to like mine for
1: this data uh, the biggest thing that we use will be Salesforce. That's our CRM. Uh, yeah. And so you can go in there and just plug in, just look at all the numbers. We do also have an intelligence platform called Looker. I think they're actually based out of SF, the Bay Area. Looker, and that's where we visualize all of, all of our win-loss, all of our percentages by industry, by different company size, by pricing plan. So all that gives you such rich information to be able to um, spot trends. For example, it was very easy to spot that on, on our third plan, uh, basically that a lot of some features there were being discounted because actually it, it didn't have product market fit for a couple of reasons. And so that was so easy to pinpoint and looker and then go out and talk to sales and understand, hey, what's going on here? How come we're discounting this feature? And then you'd hear the whole story and it was brilliant. And so these are from the data, you get to understand patterns. And from the patterns, you now have questions you can ask the sales and CS. And then with that conversation, you can now determine, okay, what we need to test out. What are the hypotheses that we have uh, and then start on your way to, to building a new strategy super interesting so you uh, let me say that back to you so you've gotten this data
0: you're absorbing this data you're analyzing it you're looking for trends and yep. we did one other episode on pricing and that discounting behavior was a big one too and that mm. so you're seeing that and that to you says oh we've got does that just mean you have an issue there or does that mean yeah you don't have product market fit and then, how do you solve that? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I, honestly, that was that's what we saw in the data. We looked at the data for France, for Germany, for UK, for Spain, and we start to see some trends in terms of one of the packages was just being heavily discounted more than others. Uh, and so, based on that, it's very easy. You just you pull out the data, you have you set up a quick meeting with sales in each country, and you ask, hey, what's going on? What are what what information do you have about this specific price? We've noticed that it's being discounted at, at a much larger percent than the others. Sometimes it's even given for free. Can you give us a bit? of an understanding of why that's <laughs> happening and then they'll tell you hey obviously you know this feature here needs a bit more help but because we're missing this we can't sell this so we give this for free and you're like wow that's really it's great to have this rich uh, information because then it, it was clear that there was something that needed to change once now you have this feedback from sales and you go back to some of your actual customers too uh, and you figure out what are some of the things that they value the most and what are some of the things they wish they could uh, they could they had and if they had what how much value would that represent for them? And and through that process, you start to create different models that you continue to iterate on, and then and then you're on your way to testing a new product or a new a uh, new strategy.
0: Yeah. So, what does the setup look for? Do you guys have more than one SKU? Do you have a do you have a freemium go-to-market motion at all, or is it just do you have like Pro and Enterprise? How do you sell PayFit?
1: Yeah, 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 that's a great one. So we're a SaaS uh, platform, recurring revenue, month over month uh, subscription uh, model. And we do have customers that can pay uh, upfront annually. So that's great too for them because they can benefit from a discount. But initially we have three pricing plans. We have a basic one, which is just payroll. And then we have an advanced plan, which is payroll and, and all the other HR related modules, such as like expenses, you know, advanced payments, options that we're putting on there. And so that's really how we're we're divided, like these two pricing plans. Then we offer a, a pricing a specific a strategy for you know, small enterprises or for brand new organizations. And then on the other side, we also have a mid-market enterprise kind of play. So to run that back to you, we have two core ones, so payroll and then payroll and HR. But then we have special offers for very small early-stage companies and then special offers for large organizations. Got it. And it sounded like you're talking to customers
0: about... The places where they find value is that I think that's one thing in my experience is that we have a um, we have a free product but then we also have a starter product and so like our freemium starter product part of the go-to-market plan is to get people to upgrade from starter to pro do you do something similar is that when you're trying to figure out okay what are the features that we should put in pro put in free how does that work who do you are you working with product there at all
1: Yeah. So that's where it gets a a, a little tricky per market. I think some market really, really need uh, payroll and payroll only. And other markets, you can see that they want payroll and everything else related to HR. And so typically, we'd like to to start with payroll and potentially sometimes upsell to HR, all the HRS modules. But sometimes, depending on the country, we go straight to an HRS kind of offer, which is payroll and, and all the other HR modules. Today, as, as the company is still uh, pretty young, we're still reinforcing our upsell strategy. I think it's not exactly where I would like it uh, to be right now, but that's something that we have in store for 2021, where we're going to have a strong upsell strategy to make sure we keep moving cohorts from one plan to another plan based on added features, added value. and so Yeah, super interesting. Okay, so
0: let's go back to your, I think I I understand the data that you are looking at, it's like this internal data or it's, it's this market data. You're using Salesforce and Looker to try and discover these trends, validate them with sales, understand why something's happening, like discounting. How do you turn, what do you do with that stuff, That those insights to present them or to get, because you have to get buy-in on these things. You can't, I'm sure they're just not, yeah, like you go ahead, change anything you want on the pricing page, right? Like I'm yeah. sure people are... Highly, they want to make sure you get this right. So, do you build a deck? Do you who do you present it to? Yeah, how does that work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing we need to do because every time you're talking to leadership, it's really hey, what are the numbers? And so that's why growth ops is my best friend uh, at, at, at Payfit. It's because they 'll build out the whole numbers they 'll let me know exactly what 's happening price basically revenue by different segments, revenue by pricing plans and you get to see all of it you get to see the discounts that 's happening per feature per product per pricing plan per customer size and all that information is rich of content and then they also show the profitability as well by segment and that 's where it gets really interesting. And so you have to arm yourself with all the data needed. And then once you have all that data, and typically it's in a spreadsheet, and then I turn that data and turn it into a deck where it's very easy to follow through what's happening per segment, per profitability index. And then we do a presentation to the uh, local team, where uh, we're kind of showing here's what we're seeing so far. And then we have an open discussion on what are the things, one, why it's happening. And then two, what are the things that we think we can do to improve? And that's really what starts the question, the, the quest, I should say, on revising that monetization strategy or a pricing strategy in that market. From there, once we open that discussion, we then start to say, okay, well, let's go out there and start evaluating some hypotheses. So we put some hypotheses down and we go talk to some customers, see if, it, if it's something that would, that would make sense. And then we talk to some other salespeople and some other customer success people. And then we come back and we give another review to the, to the local team. And so it's an iterative process that we do to a point, typically it takes about a month and a half to a quarter to go through this process. And then from there, uh, we then start to create, we start to validate the hypotheses. And after we validate the hypotheses, we get ready for making those changes once everyone's agreed. So I'll stop there because then there's a whole, how do you (laughs) implement the new pricing? So I'm not going to go there yet, but uh, just in a discovery process, just to answer your question, that's that's how we go through it. Super interesting.
0: It's good. I didn't want to stop you. I like the tactical of like, here's how the rollout happens and what it looks like for you guys. When you present it to customers, how do you do that? Is there, is it just like mock-ups of a pricing page? Is it again, is it just like a deck and you just have a conversation with them? Is it
1: that simple? presenting, just make sure I get that question, because you're presenting like new, new ideas, new pricing models to customers.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So you're, you've got a hypothesis, you want to make a change, you're going out, you want to get customer feedback yeah. on it. What does that look like? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Typically. So we usually run it with customer success. So whoever actually owns the account, <laughs> for example, that's really important. Two, they typically come from what we call our payfit community. So we developed a community where customers who basically have raised their hands to be engaged to, to give feedback on different topics. And first of all, we go to customers, customers who really love us, who want to give feedback, and they're not afraid of giving harsh feedback as well. You got to select the right customer in the first place. And then once you've set the right customer, it's usually positioned as a customer value conversation where we're trying to understand what's working, what's not working, uh, what do you think we can improve and why? And then the question is about, you know, what value does that represent to them? How many hours is it taking? Is it giving them back to them to be able to have this feature? Or are they potentially uh, not hiring an extra headcount because now they can do this automatically? And so once you start to get these kind of indicators and you ask, okay, great. And so can we get a number? What does that represent for you into a number? And then you get them to speak and share those numbers. And then you get to show, here's what we're thinking, is that where do you price this? Is it too expensive? Is it on the ball or is it too cheap? And so it's a a fun conversation. We like to make it fun, at least, uh, and relaxing. And through that process together, we co-create the product and the pricing strategy.
0: Oh, I love that. I think that's a really smart way to approach it. And just good little tips too, right? Go through the CSM, make it fun, frame it as value. I think all of that is going to help people a lot. So super interesting. All right, let's talk. So... I had Chris Mills on the show, the VP of product marketing at sales loft, and we were talking about pricing and packaging. And he said how important it is to launch this stuff or to get the rollout like internally and externally. So let's go there. How do you roll out changes to pricing and packaging? Do you agree with him? Do you think it's important to launch it? What does the communication
1: strategy look like when there's a new, when there's a change? Yeah, 100%. You have to make sure that your field believes uh, in the change, believes in the new product, believes in this new strategy, uh, because they're the one that's going to be on the ground to sell it, whether it's coming from a new business perspective from AEs or an upsell strategy from customer success. If they have not bought into your new product or your new pricing, it's just not going to work. And so, this is exactly the reason why during that discovery process, we're getting feedback from sales, from customer success, so their voices are represented in the new strategy. And so once we've, we've all aligned with the leadership teams on the new pricing strategy, we do a presentation with sales separately and then with customer success separately, where we actually walk them through the entire process that we took because uh, what they want to understand is not that we just slapped the new price and that's it. They want to understand Mm -hmm. that here's exactly what we did. So we, we ended up like looking at the numbers. Here's what we found. We challenged it with sales. We challenged it with customer success. We had your country manager on the call. And so you want to make sure that they understand the entire process, and logic behind it, and then the outcome that we expect to see once we launch this new feature, this new pricing model, and so on. And then in that meeting, one thing we do is we also share where this new pricing strategy is going to be towards the market as well, and what's in it for them. So they can now upsell, they now can do X, Y, Z. And so that's always fun to, to give a new negotiation levers to sales teams. And then we wrap it up with a QA. and a and so after that Q&A, really then we then start to go through an actual training regimen. So there's an actual, depending on the tier of the launch, if it's an epic launch, a major launch or a minor launch, uh, we have different training programs for them. And so we want to make sure they're trained very well before they don't start uh, pitching the new product. So cool. There's, there's a lot
0: in there that I really like. Sorry, I'm laughing because I like your, is that how you guys structure launches, epic major and minor?
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's cool.
0: I like that. I think a lot of companies do like a P1, P2, or P3, but I think Epic major and minor is way more fun. So yeah, I have to steal that. That's fun. So a bunch of stuff in there that I really like. Important when you're rolling this out to the field teams to show the work, to show them the process so that they can yeah. actually see you talk to customers, see you talk to the regional managers, yeah. tell them what's in it for them. Totally agree with that. Yeah, if you're giving something to you're making you're trying to make their lives easier because you're not just doing this to um i mean it's going to help make the business more money but it's also probably going to improve the customer experience make it easier for them to sell make it easier for people to buy that's that should be aligned so i love that the third i think it's just really cool that again like another plug for product marketing here because by you rolling this out you are a good storyteller because you're a product marketer you also know the product and the market really well and then you've got partners who are making sure that they've got your growth ops partners to make sure the math is right and all of that. I just think it's really valuable because if it was just like finance coming to the sales team and rolling it out, I can't imagine what that presentation would be. It'd be a lot different, right? It's just a spreadsheet. No offense yeah. to finance, but it wouldn't be as good.
1: So I just, some points there that I, I wanted to call out. That is, if I can just add a couple of things, uh, yeah. Marcus, yes, finance definitely needs to be involved, especially for big pricing decisions. Cause in the end there, they uh, sign off on it. <laughs> totally. So they usually double check the numbers. And then also they're the ones that are really also giving us an update on profitability because sometimes it means counting basically how many product folks are working on it and so on. And that means going into salary data, which is sensitive. And so we don't touch that, but finance financially can give us an aggregate of the costs for a new launch, for example. Until finance also steps in that way.
0: Of that, yeah. Shouts to finance. Don't mean to offend finance. There's probably not <laughs> a lot of finance people. There's probably not a lot of CFOs listening to this podcast, yeah. but other oh, great. Yeah. All right, so let's maybe one thing I wanted to talk about was competition. So you're talking about I, you gave us one little nugget where if you're in a market where competition is high, um, there's wh- that's what you're looking for. Basically, is what I'm hearing. Is is there is competition high? Is competition low? that's going to be a factor in pricing. Is there other stuff you're looking for when you're analyzing a market or you're trying to figure out like when you look at that, when you're doing this competitive analysis, what should you look for to try and figure out pricing?
1: That's a great question. I think one of the things you have to ask yourself as well before you even launch is that, are you looking to optimize for growth? Or are you trying to optimize for profitability? Because that will make a big difference on your pricing strategy towards the market. And then to understand if you're also looking for market share, because some of, sometimes you're launching a project because you want adoption at scale. And then you, the strategy is potentially you're, you, you might have that freemium model or you might just have it heavily discounted compared to, to the competitors because you're trying out a new product, you're trying to get a lot of people on it. And then later on, when it gets better, you can start upselling. And so that already is a very important piece to, to keep in mind. But the second piece that you mentioned for competitor, I think for me, this is one of the most important things because when you're you're looking at a market like the UK, The amount of competition you have there is insane. But then when you look at, for example, Germany or or France, there's a lot less competitors. And so that affects pricing because the UK will have a lot of competitors. So pricing will go down a little bit, if not a lot. And then you got France where you have just a few main players and then you have a better hold on your pricing strategy because of it. I'm not sure outside of that, outside of everything I've already mentioned in terms of internal data, customers and your leadership, your internal leadership teams, I think. Once you have an eye on the competition and you have an eye on where the market's going, for example, COVID and how it's impacting all of your different markets, I think that's something to keep in mind because you might have some businesses running out of cash. You want to do some quick promotions, but you might have so many different scenarios. So COVID and market trends really is an important piece to take in mind.
0: Yeah. And then that's something that I think good product marketers should be looking for anyway, to like have your finger on that pulse of what's happening in your space. How are these big trends in the world impacting your customer your persona whatever yeah what do people get wrong what do you, what are the places where um, people mess up or fail or things can break down when you're building
1: pricing strategy that's a good one I think there's quite a few things that could go wrong internally already because if you're trying to change your pricing and packaging before you make any kind of changes to features and different pricing plan, you have to talk to your product and engineering team to even know if that's possible before you can commit to it. That's really important because I've seen situations where oh yeah, let's move this here and let's do this and let's give them a oh up to certain usage and then you upsell. A, well, can the product even do that from a, from an engineering standpoint? That's really important to keep an eye out. The second thing is how you want to also build them out oh let's do a yeah like the first 10 people get x and then after that uh, it's x price well can your billing system do that and if you can't well you can't and so Mm -hmm. it's good to know all these different internal limitations already just that's just internally and then externally i think the biggest thing is launching a new pricing strategy without talking to your sales and cs I think is a major uh, red flag because they're the ones on the field, on the ground, talking to your customers and you have to make sure that you get their voice heard and and taken into into account in your decision before you roll anything out. And then if you have the opportunity to speak to to customers yourself, you got to do it. You got to do it because it gives you so much information because it's very different from hearing from a salesperson because a salesperson's goal is to sell. uh, So it's in a commercial kind of standpoint, but When you get to sit down with a customer with no pressure, just sit down, have a great conversation, a cup of tea, the insights that you can hear are really different. And so I would always encourage that. And so one last thing is for you to really understand if you're optimizing for growth or profitability, because it's not usually the same strategy, not at first, at least you can optimize for growth, which means knowing you're going to put some of the prices down a little bit and just get some volume. And then you can optimize profitability where maybe you get a little less volume, but you have the right price for value. And so to know what you're aiming for, because based on that, it'll make a big difference on what success and failure means. And I think sometimes if you haven't really communicated that on a one-page plan to your leadership team, they'll ask, hey, how come we have less volume? Well, actually, because we, we changed price a little bit and we're more profitable now, though, but a little less volume. And so that conversation, you have to know upfront what you're looking to do. Because there also, you'll have some very unhappy execs if, if that hasn't been communicated up front.
0: Great point. I love those ways level setting questions or like questions that like set the playing field. Because if you don't know if you're focused on growth or profitability, like it doesn't, you could get it right, but still be wrong. So I think that's super interesting and smart to just ask that question up front, make sure you're aligned on it with the executive team. And then those two others are solid as well. Trying to make sure like what's possible in the product. I'm pretty, very close to products in my job. And that's something that we talk through a lot is that, all right, we know what we want to do. We know we want to make this packaging change or we know we want to make this pricing change, but then how does that play out in the product experience? And what is, what's going to require a lot of dev work? What's going to require very little dev work? What are the trade-offs there? Yeah. And then the systems, like, is your, can your system handle it? Can they actually do this thing you want to do? And then talking to customers. That's something that I think you articulate it well, because you can talk to CS teams and sales teams, even ones that, you know, are, are really great at their job and aren't going to give, not, they're not going to try to like, they don't have an agenda, but you're yeah. still, it's not as good as talking to customers just because you really do hear the so much more comes through. So that's really good. Mm. I like that advice. Mm. What's your outlook on the career of products marketing? Do you think it's a good place for people to be right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, anyways, in, in Europe, you can see it's one of the hottest roles right now in general. I have so many cool. startup CEOs and VPs of marketing that's asking for, hey, you know, can you help me out and in, in how I should look at setting up my product marketing team. And so you can see that's really getting traction in, in Europe. And of course, in the US, we, we've had product marketing for quite a while, but I think if anyone's on the sidelines of understanding if if, if product marketing uh, should be your career path or, or not, I think 2020 uh, was your sign because <laughs> 2020 was such a tough year for so many different businesses around the world, period, And the number one thing everyone's going to look to do now is find out ways to reaccelerate growth, which means understanding where the market's going. It means understanding the competitive landscape. It means identifying the right features to build. It means actually building it and launching it. It means accelerating sales and driving adoption. And that's the role of product marketing. So Mm -hmm. I think product marketing is going to be in demand next year. And all you have to do is go on LinkedIn and type, go to jobs and type in product marketing. And you can see that the amount of jobs open for that role is pretty high right now.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I think the the larger trends in the world are only good for product marketing only make us more valuable. And you and it's and if you can figure out things like pricing strategy, you also become even more and more valuable yourself and to the company. So anything you're working on that you want to share with listeners? Anything um, you want to tell people about?
1: One of the things is, as I mentioned, I'm I'm super passionate about teaching people basically how to hack their career, how to use LinkedIn to land their dream job. And then, so one of the programs I'm building for next year is a masterclass on exactly that. Basically how to leverage LinkedIn, how to build a brand, how to interview, really to to win and and how to negotiate to get that kind of package you're looking for. And so I'm launching a a masterclass called Career Hacker Academy, uh, and that's going to be probably released towards the end of January, 2021. So if anyone is interested in learning how to break into tech or into top tech startups that's going to be the focus of the master class um, so feel free to just uh you know google career hacker or go on linkedin and connect with me yannick Podar, and super happy to keep in touch
0: awesome yeah y- yannick is a really good linkedin follow so i agree go follow him and um, we'll keep an eye out for that class yannick thanks for coming on the show man it was great to chat
1: awesome thank you marcus really appreciate it and uh, have a great rest of the day I got There's only one way to take it, and that's hard, man. That's hard. There's only one way to own it. She want to drown in the city lights. Oh, but it's alright.